you have your Bible this morning, and that's kind of a quick transition over, and uh, uh, we're going to uh, look at something that I hope will be an encouragement to you. Last week we were looking in Psalm 100, and uh, last week we were talking about some of the protocols, if you please, as we uh, approach the king. And uh, certainly uh, we talked about as children we have protocols, as adults in the workplace, in the military, there's protocol after protocol that we deal with this way, and why would we not think that there are protocols when we approach the King of Kings, amen? And uh, we were reminded, as we wrapped up our time last week, we were reminded that, listen, we make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We serve the Lord with gladness. We come into His presence with singing. We, we enter His uh, gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise based upon what the Bible says. In fact, last week we concluded by looking at Psalm 100 and verse number 5 that reminds us, it says these words, it says, The Lord is good. Is He good? Listen, you may not feel good this morning, but I got news for you. The Lord is still good. You may, things may not be going good in your life. You may have some obstacles. You may have some trials. You may have some tribulations. You may be going through a time of testing. But the reality is that the Lord is good. And verse 5 says, His mercy is everlasting. Do you know how long everlasting is? Anybody ever, ever, anybody ever made it to everlasting yet? No. That means His mercy is going to continue and continue and to continue on. And it says His truth endureth to all generations. In other words, when we approach our great God and King, it should always be in response to the combined reality. It was like a song we sang last week. God is God. The Lord is God. But God is also good. All the time. And so it got me thinking. It got me thinking about what to talk about this morning. And so this morning I want to talk to you simply about the topic of the Lord is good. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to an unexpected place, Nahum chapter 1. Nahum chapter 1, and that's on page 603. <laughs> Go ahead, try it. <laughs> page 603, right after the short little book of Micah, we'll find what God says through the prophet Nahum. I'm going to give you a couple extra seconds because some of you are trying to figure out if Nahum was even in the Bible. I'm like, I don't, I don't know this guy. Nahum? Who's that? Is that a missionary we support in Norway? Yes, it is. It's also a prophet here in Scripture. Look at Nahum chapter 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. Now what you're going to find, first of all, you're going to find some some, some uh, hard things to hear. And so let's look at verse number 1 because the Bible begins, it says, The burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkishite. God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Remember, who does he reserve wrath for? Just remember that, okay? Let's keep going. Verse number 3. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Verse number 4. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth and Carmel and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. Verse 5. The mountains quake at him and the hills melt. 
The earth is burned at his presence, yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Verse number six, who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire. And the rocks are thrown down by him. Notice what verse number seven says. Kind of a change. Verse number seven says, the Lord is good. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trusteth in him. Father, we thank you for this portion of your word. God, I pray that you'll bless as only you can. God, I pray that you'll impress it upon our hearts. God, as we learn and we take some principles away from your word, God, I pray that you'll be encouraged, God, by what is said or done. Lord, I pray that you'll use your word to convict us and to draw us closer to thee and closer to one another. Lord, I love you and praise you and pray this all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. Well, as we begin, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, no offense, James, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that what we've already seen in uh, this passage, that Nahum can be a difficult little book to read. It can be quite difficult, and obviously it bears his name, you know, as the prophet, but I I was thinking about this. What's interesting, it's interesting and strange at the same time. The book bears his name, and you say, well, why is it interesting, and why is it strange at the same time? Well, it's interesting because Nahum's name actually means comfort. It means consolation, but it's also strange because Nahum is a book of judgment, It's a book of judgment. It's a short book, but it's a book of severe decrees of doom against the Assyrian people who had abandoned the ways of God. And you may remember or recall that about a hundred years prior to this, God sent a man who didn't want to go there to Nineveh. Do you remember his name? Yeah, he he had a little uh, altercation with a great fish, right? And so God, a hundred years earlier, he sends Jonah to the city of Nineveh and uh, He's basically sent to preach this message of impending judgment against the Ninevites. And uh, much to his dismay, uh, all the way from the king on down, they repent. They actually repent. They actually begin to fast and they start to pray. And so you know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey says, God spared the city. Much, as I said, to Jonah's dismay. But you know what they say, right? If we don't learn from history, we're what? We're destined to repeat it. By the way, that might be a good reminder for each and every one of us today. Hello. At any rate, I digress. Back to the message. A hundred years have passed, and what we find is that the people of Nineveh Nineveh are doing what they did before. They've basically abandoned, they've basically uh, walked away from their previous commitments to the Lord. And so here we go again. But this time, God says, okay, Nahum, got to go to Nineveh. And so at this time when Nahum shows up, the Assyrian Empire is at the height of its military and national power. They're literally on the move. They're expanding their reach as Assyrian people and this empire. And you may recall that uh, they had attacked the nation of Israel. Previously, God had used the Assyrians to to basically uh, uh, punish the children of Israel. But you know what? God doesn't forget how they treated his children 
And so God is going to uh, punish Assyria for their disobedience. He's going to punish Assyria for, for their hatred of his people. And so Nahum's message on God's behalf is a wonderful, popular message of judgment. You know, I, I, I've seen messages of judgment even in Walmart. When the kids go to reach for a piece of candy as they're checking out, I've seen moms and dads issue judgment on kids. They're like, nope. You're not getting that piece of candy. But here in God's word, God says, he sends Nahum, and here's the thing. He says, Nahum, I need you to go to Nineveh. But really, Nahum, you're not going to go, and you're not going to speak about my love. You're going to go, and you're going to carry a message of judgment, a prediction of judgment, despair, and utter ruin. By the way, this prediction, this prophecy actually came true when the Babylonians uh, conquered Assyria, and many believe that was in 612 B.C., and yet standing in stark contrast to the gloom, the doom, and the destruction of the, of the wicked and the unrepentant Assyrians, these words of hope for Israel, these words of hope for those who believe, those who had trusted the Lord, stand out as a reminder to you and to me that even in the midst of everything that's going on in 2021, the Lord is good. Look at that verse. Look at verse, one, verse 7. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold <clears throat> in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. Listen, folks, today in the midst of great unrest, we are living in a time when right is called wrong and wrong is called right. But I want you to know if you've placed your faith and your trust and your confidence in the risen Savior of the world, you need not worry. You need not be, be afraid. Listen, we don't, we don't have any reason to fear. We can celebrate because of the goodness of our God. And so look with me very quickly. Look here. We got some encouraging facts about His goodness just in this one verse. And we're going to look at them together. And here it is if you're a note taker. In His goodness... Our Lord, He assures us. He assures us of His goodness. Look, in contrast with verses 2 through 6. Now look with me, because I'm going to ripple down some things. In verses 2 through 6, Nahum's talking all about God's power and His ability to execute judgment on the Assyrians. And he's talking about God being jealous and that He revenges and that He's great in power. He's not going to acquit the wicked. He goes on and he talks about how He can rebuke the sea and the mountains quake and the hills melt and the earth is burned and talks on and on about His indignation. But the very next verse, the very next verse, He says, the Lord is good. And when I look at the United States of America, when I look at this world, when I look all around, it doesn't matter what the world says. It only matters what God says. And the Bible says, the Lord is good. Amen. You know, you can actually go away from this place today, loosen your halo a little bit, because none of us are perfect. If you think you're perfect, you got a problem, because you're not. I'm not perfect, just ask my wife. In fact, I had made a, a little comical remark yesterday. We were at a thing for uh, Margie's birthday, and I said something about uh, here in about a week and a half, it'll be my 30th anniversary. And she says, yeah, and I put up with you all 30 years. I was like, wow, man, I thought things were good. Today we look around in the United States. It doesn't matter. Listen, by the way, 
Don't walk out of here. This isn't a message. This isn't a political message about the United States. This isn't anything. But the reality is our nation is wandering further and further away from God. You remember when Jonah goes to Nineveh, the king says, no, 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 no. We don't want impending judgment. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to fast. We're going to pray. By the way, you're not going to do fasting and prayer before you actually repent. So he says, come on, everybody. He's the king of he's the king of Nineveh. And he says, everybody get involved. And so he doesn't know what the Lord will do, but the Lord spares him. But guess what? Right here in stark contrast, the Bible says in verse three that in great power, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. But it says he will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds and the dust of his feet. And he goes on and on and he talks about this idea that judgment is going to come. And yet in stark contrast, Nahum says the Lord is good. And so this idea of wandering further and further away from God, I can tell you, is not a great prescription for success. If you, sir, or you, ma'am, or you, young person, think you're going to fool God, you think, I'm just going to wander a little further away from God, and it's going to be okay, I got news for you, it is not going to be okay. The Bible has a specific recipe for success. You remember in, jo in Joshua, I think I put that verse up there, Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8, we see the principle that, listen, if you want your way to be made prosperous, now this isn't a prosperity gospel church, but if you want your way to be made prosperous, if you want to, uh, to have good success, then there are some indications that you ought to be meditating on the Word of God. In fact, I can confirm that because we could go over to Psalm chapter 1 and it talks about the blessed man and the idea that the blessed man actually delights in the Word of God and that he meditates or she meditates on the Word of God. And so we can see over and over what a great prescription for success looks like. But the Assyrians, guys, do you know how cruel and evil the Assyrian people were? I mean, they loathed God's Word. When I think about how much they loathed God's Word, I have to stop and ask myself the question, isn't that what's going on today? Nobody has a stomach for the Word of God anymore. Nobody wants to hear the Word of God. They, you know, pastor, I don't like that. I want to, can you just talk about, by the way, the title of the message is the Lord is good. I don't know how much greater and nicer we can be. The Lord is good. And that's what I want to permeate our hearts and our minds today as we go from this place that he is good. And that in the midst of all of this wickedness, as a child of God, you can be sure that He is good. And he, listen, even before COVID came around, I'll just be honest with you, even before COVID came around, this country, people were looking for ways to kind of get away from God. It isn't anything new. It just didn't happen last year. It didn't happen last year where it's like, okay, cool. Now I don't have to worship. I don't. No, that's not what God's word says. By the way, I need you and you need me, whether you know it or not. Not because I'm the pastor, but because I'm a, a fellow believer. We encourage one another. We strengthen one another. And hopefully we edify and admonish one another. So we need one another. At any rate, as we know from principle from Scripture, I mean, the reality is Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 tells us that God is not mocked. 
You can deceive yourself all you want and, and say, listen, well, he's taking it out of context. No, I'm taking the principle that says God is not mocked. I believe that to be across the board. If you think that you can do right in one area of your life, but that you can do wrong in every other area of life and think that you're going to get away with it, I think you're sorely mistaken. God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. I understand the context of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. But as a result, I look around this country and we see chaos going on and on. It's chaos and confusion of our culture, the continual corrosion of our communities. I mean, if Loudoun County gets on the news any more, I don't know, man. I've got, I've got friends from all across the country saying, what's going on in Loudoun County? What's going on? Is that your county? They ask, is that my county? Listen, we better stand up for Jesus. Or you're not going to have the opportunity to stand up for Jesus. And here's another good reason to be in the Word of God. Because you know back in the day when the, Holy, uh, when the Roman Empire became the Holy Roman Empire. You remember what happened in the medieval ages? The, the Middle Ages? Or as some people say the Dark Ages. You know what happened, right? The church said, no, you're not going to have a copy of the Word of God. You're not going to have any of God's Word. We're putting a kibosh on that. So that's why it's important for us to hide the Word of God in our heart. Awana, that we might not sin against thee. That's why it's important that we study to show ourselves approved unto God. Listen, the catastrophic consequences that are taking place, but even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of confusion and unrest, the Lord is good. And look at verse 7, because the word good actually means, now watch it, the word good means good. I did a lot of study. And it means good, but no, seriously, it goes on. It's good in the widest sense. But here's what it says. Beautiful. The Lord is beautiful. The Lord is best. The Lord is better. The Lord is pleasant. The Lord is precious. The Lord is sweet. That's what it means in verse 7 when it says the Lord is good. I don't know what you're building your life on, but I want to encourage you to build it on the Lord because He's good. Oh, what a great Savior we serve. Oh, my friends, Scripture declares it. And we would, be, we would do well as followers of Jesus Christ to stand up for Him. Psalm 34 and verse 8 says, Oh, taste. How's your taste buds this morning? Oh, I'm a little dry from singing and everything. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed. It says, blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Psalm 105. We, we shared it at the beginning. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth for all generations. Psalm 107. Psalm 118. Psalm 118.29. Psalm 136.1. They all say the exact same thing when they say, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for He is what? Do you believe He's good? Or are you just saying it? I'll just say He's good so pastor will move on. Oh, I pray you believe it. I pray that you believe it. Oh, listen, Psalm 135 and verse 3 tells us to praise the Lord for He is good. And ironically, in Psalm 145 and verse number 9, the Bible begins by declaring that the Lord is good to who? And I did a word study of all. Neil, I want you to know I'm doing my, my study. You know, I want to do my word studies. And I looked at the Hebrew meaning of that all. And do you know what? It was the same as the Greek meaning of all. All. It was a real thorough study. Folks, the Lord is good 
to every creature, every work of His hands. He's kind and compassionate. He's ready to do good uh, across the board. He's ready, willing, and able to bless and pardon. Watch it. All who will believe. It doesn't matter your station in life. He's ready. He's willing. And He's able because He is good. By the way, the Lord is good to even those that don't believe. He makes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. Oh, in spite of how things may seem or appear, no matter what we face moment to moment, I can tell you regardless of our situation, regardless of any sickness, regardless of any storm, you and I can be assured that God is good. Turn with me in your Bible to Romans chapter 8. I want you to see something. As believers, I want you to see one verse and then I'll make a couple comments. But look with me in Romans chapter 8. Flip over with me. It's good to move through Scripture and see what thus saith the Lord. And when you get there, look with me at verse number 28. Very familiar verse, but I would encourage you, I'm not going to tie it together, but I would encourage you to always tie 29 because it talks about uh, the fact that uh, we are predestined to conform to the image of God's dear Son. But look at verse 28, and Paul writing to the church of Rome, he says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. In good times, in bad times, and in the in-between times, God is good. That's His character. That's His nature. He doesn't change His goodness just because you may be going through the, uh, a valley of life. Do you know, I would say it would be a good thing to be holding on to God when you're going through the valley. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's good. Look down. Look down. I want you to look down because our Lord's goodness, look at verse 35, because our Lord's goodness is what enables Paul here to ask and answer. Here, look at verse number 35. It says, who shall, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, he says, for thy sake... We are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Look at verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Look at verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, are you persuaded today that the Lord is good? Because it doesn't matter. Nothing can separate you. If you're in Jesus Christ, listen, don't be, don't be worried because nothing can separate you from Jesus. If you're in Jesus, you ain't separate. You're not getting separated by man or anybody else. His goodness. His goodness assures me of who He is. His goodness assures me that He's going to be with me. When I face tough times and just as just as Nahum's telling the children of Israel, he says, listen, God's getting ready to do some things and you're going to see some things. You're going to hear about some things, but I want you to know something. He knows you. He understands who is believing and trusting in him. And I want you to know that in the midst of all of his power, all of his might, the Lord is good. 
Number two, in his goodness, not only are we assured, but in his goodness, he assists us. Look back at verse number seven. Go back to our text in verse number seven. Because aside from stating that obvious fact that the Lord is good, Nahum also encourages the embattled people of God. Are you embattled today? Do you feel like you're up against a battle? If not, it's coming. In the workplace, they're going to ask you to do things that you don't want to do that are contrary to the Word of God. Maybe you'll feel a little embattled then. But Nahum... He says to the embattled children of God, notice, not only is He good, but He says the Lord is also, look at verse 7, a stronghold in the day of trouble. That, that word, that phrase there, the stronghold, it literally means a fortified place, a defense, a force, a fortress, a rock, or a strength. See, God's Word is not only celebrating the fact that He assures us of God's goodness, but it also confirms His assistance as a place of protection for you and I, a safe harbor, if you please, in the midst of life's stormy seas. Stormy seas. I think about, in fact, turn, look at Psalm 18. I want you to look at Psalm 18. I wasn't going to have you turn, but it's good for you to see it yourself. Hold your spot in Nahum and look at Psalm 18. When you get to Psalm 18... I want you to see a couple of verses. Psalm 18. In fact, in fact, I didn't include it, but look at verse 1, and then we're going to read verse 2 and 3. I didn't include verse 1, so I'm sorry, guys. But look at verse 1. David says, I will love thee. Who's he talking about he's going to love? He says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. But notice he goes on in verse 2. He says, the Lord is what? My rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength. In whom will I trust? He says, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Look at verse number 3. He said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Listen, have you ever sung that? Have you ever sung Psalm 18 as a song of praise to God? And so shall I be saved from my enemies. In Psalm 91, in verse 1 and 2, remember I've told you before that Psalm 91, 1 is our 911. When you got a problem, you go to 911, right? Instead of picking up the phone, go to Psalm 91, 1. And Psalm 91, 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Isn't that good? Are you abiding in the secret place of the Most High? Because it says you shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Look at verse number 2. It says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. And you know what I know about life? Sooner or later, you and I need assistance. You ever, you ever need assistance? Have you ever needed assistance? And I know we're living in a new age of technology. Have you ever needed assistance and your phone was nowhere to be found? And in that moment, you're like, oh, I left my cell phone on the nightstand. Felt like I had taken a time warp back to 1980. I was looking for one of those phones that you plug into the cigarette lighter in the bag that never worked, by the way. At some point in our life, we're all going to need 
some assistance. The question is, who do you turn to? Who do you turn to when you need assistance? Where do you go? If you don't go to the Lord, where do you go? Who do you turn to? And this is what I, what's interesting to me because all throughout Scripture, we could just spend all day looking at passages of God's assistance to us. But in Psalm 46 and 1, the Bible again says that God is our refuge. That word refuge there means He's our shelter. He's our source of safety. Folks, there's no need to fear anything or anyone. Because with our God, we have a refuge. It says He's our refuge and strength, a very present help. That word help means He is our aid. Watch it. Or assistance. He's my assistance. I pray that He's your assistance in times of trouble. I think about back in Deuteronomy chapter 33. Moses, he's, he's, you know, it's kind of like his final, one of his final addresses to the children of Israel. He's in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 33 and, and uh, near the end of his, his uh, dissertation, if you please, in verse number 27, he, he proclaims his deeply held conviction. And this is what he says. He, he tells them that the eternal God was to be their refuge. He's saying, listen, the eternal God is to be your habitation. I'm getting ready to go off the scene, but I want to remind you that as you go forward, as you move forward, you need to understand that if you're going to uh, take shelter in anyone, it needs to be in the eternal God. And notice he goes on and he says, and underneath the everlasting arms. He's talking about almighty God's power. Are you in need of power today? Nobody is in need of power. I am. You know the, 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 the dangerous thing about getting to the point where we think we know so much about this? All the, all the greatest theological thinkers. See, the danger about getting to the point where you think you know everything you need to know about this is you start to think that you're invincible and that you don't need assistance. Can I tell you? Can I lovingly tell you, you and I and everyone needs assistance. The reality is you're going to call somebody in the day of trouble. But as a believer, as a child of the King, why would you look anywhere else? Why would you call somebody else in the midst of, uh, of unrepentant wickedness that's running rampant in this world? Oh, listen, my friends. God teaches us over and over that every true worshiper uh, needs to rely on Him. In fact, it was David who declares his faith in Psalm 27.5 by saying in his time of trouble that it would be God who hided him. It would be God who protected him. Look, he said, in his pavilion. He says, in the secret of his tabernacle. Well, listen, Proverbs 18 and 10. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. Oh, I love the fact that I can be safe through the assistance of my Savior. Oh, just as He was with those saints of old that passed through the waters and walked through the fires of life, so shall our great God be with us. And the moment we think we don't need Him, we're doomed. Oh, listen, as believers, we ought to shout for joy because our Lord is good and He's a stronghold. By the way, if He's our stronghold, that means He's our best defense. In a time of trouble. Look back at verse number two in our text. 
back at verse number two, because Nahum states that God is jealous. And he's not suggesting that our God is acting in a sinful way, but in a way that views you and me as a precious possession. Do I have any parents in here? There's not a committed parent that I know that wouldn't jump in the way of an oncoming car to protect their child. If you saw something coming at your child, you would jump in the way to protect your child. Am I right? The idea that God is jealous is not a sinful jealousy. It's a loving jealousy. He, he wants to protect us. He wants to provide for us. And listen, you think about the Jewish believers of old in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. Remember, the Bible talks about them as being a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that they should show forth the praises of Him who called them out of darkness into His marvelous light. Listen, the same goes for you and me. You know that you and I are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation today. You say, well, that was for the Jews. Peter's talking to the dispersed Jews. Guess what? He's talking to us. We've been engrafted with Jews of old. We are all in Christ Jesus. If you're a believer, listen. We're a holy nation. And I know some of us look a little peculiar. But it's okay. Because God is good. He's our stronghold in times of trouble. Oh, listen, He laid down His life for us. Look at verse 3 of our text. Our text concludes verse 3. It says, The Lord has His way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of His feet. In other words, guess who's in control? He has His way in the whirlwind. Not you, not me, when the storms of life... And I did this yesterday. You're like, oh man, I did this yesterday. Anybody see that thunderstorm that came rolling in here? Man... I went from Gainesville and then I went to Haymarket and I got out of Walmart just in time. And I had my funny little honey with me and I said, come on, girl, let's run, run. You know, we were running as if we were afraid of the storm. I just didn't want to get wet. But you know, as I was driving and people were driving literally like five, ten miles an hour on 29, it was a weird thing. Winds were blowing. And if you remember that storm yesterday, as fast as it came, it went. I came in here and I turned on the air conditioning, got things up and running and locked the facility back and Krista was still in the car and as we pulled out, the sun was already shining. He has His way in the whirlwind. He's in control. He's sovereign. The winds and the waves, they obey Him. Therefore, any wind, any wave or storm of life that comes at us as a child of God, we can be at peace because he's good. He's our stronghold in a day of trouble. But listen, if he's going to assist us, you got to trust him. Anybody have a problem with trust? Let's be honest, we all struggle with trust. But the Bible, it doesn't change the Bible one iota. In Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge who? And He shall what? Direct our paths. I don't know about you, but I've tried to direct my own path before. Have you? Anybody? Have you ever made a decision without asking the Lord what He thought? Do you know what happens when we try to direct our own paths? We make a horrible mess of things. 
That's why we must trust Him. You see, because when the Lord directs our paths, we can be sure that we're on the right path. I think about Job of old. I mean, Job went through it, did he not? But in Job 23 and verse number 10, Job says, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Oh, we're going to come forth as gold one day. Amen? Oh, listen, in, every, in the midst of suffering, we don't really know what's going on. Job understood, just like we should, understood, that, that we should understand that God knows us. He knows where we are. He knows what's going on. And He will direct our paths according to His plan, not our plan. In His goodness, He assures us, He associates, or He assists us. And then lastly, look back at verse number 7. In His goodness, He associates with us. See, Nahum concludes by saying, then and now, he says, then and now, he says, look, and he knoweth them that trust in him. He's talking to those children of Israel that had trusted, that were trusting in God then, but it's still applicable to us. He knows if you've trusted him, he knows you. Amen. He's well acquainted with you. A phrase there in Hebrew, it says, and he knoweth. It's actually very difficult to interpret again because it simply means to know. He knows, he knows figuratively. He knows literally. He knows in every which way in between. The Lord recognizes. And here's what else. He not only recognizes us, but He associates with us. Aren't you glad that God, through His Son Jesus Christ, associates with you? That you could talk to Him? That you don't have to go... To, to any man. You don't have to go to uh, some kind of box and ask somebody else to talk to the Father on your behalf that you can come before His throne of grace and mercy and find help in your time of need. If you all had to call me every time there was a problem, I wouldn't be able to eat. To be honest, what a great Savior we serve. He uh, not only assures us, He assists us, but He associates with us. Look at the phrase there back in verse number 7. The phrase that says, them that trust. He knoweth them that trust. It literally means those people who, who flee to Him for perfection, to have a hope in Him, to make refuge in Him. The bottom line is that God knows His people. He knows our name. He knows the details of our life. He's intimately acquainted with us. And listen, there's nothing that escapes His attention. And you say, uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh. He knows your thoughts, whether they're wicked thoughts. He knows your actions, whether they're wicked or whether they're in guile or deceit. He knows what's going on. And so as much of a blessing as it is, it also should be a warning to us that He knows us. He understands us. Listen, we are His sheep. Anybody realize that you're a sheep today? You know what he said in John? Yeah, don't buy. I don't even know how sheep sound. I'm not, I, don't, I don't make that sound very good. In fact, probably all of us don't make that sound very good. But you know, in John chapter 10, Jesus said in verse 14, he said, I'm the good shepherd. And he says, I know my sheep, and I'm known by them. Not only do I know them, they know me. In fact, if you go on, we, we actually were in this passage on Wednesday night. If you look at verse 27 of John chapter 10, he says, my sheep hear my voice. 
And now, not only do I know them and not only do they know me, but they hear my voice. And listen, he says, I know them and they follow me. In other words, there's constant communication going on back and forth between the shepherd and his sheep. But the beautiful thing is that it doesn't stop there because guess what? If I was to take you over to John chapter 13 or 15, which we don't have time, but I can tell you that not only are we sheep, but in John chapter 15, you can look in verses 13, 14, and 15 and you find out that Jesus calls us friend. We're not only sheep, but we're His friends. And the idea of being a friend in the Greek, the word friend actually means that we are friends or associates. How dare us think that we're associates with Jesus Christ, but that's what He calls us. Associates. And you know what? I, because I want to encourage you today, it doesn't stop with sheep and with friends. If we go to Hebrews chapter 2, let me read to you in verse number 11 and 12. The Bible says, For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed. This is speaking of Jesus. He is not ashamed to call them what? Verse 12, saying, still speaking of Jesus, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Jesus Christ, the firstborn among many brethren, calls us brethren. And that word brethren is pretty interesting because it comes from the Hebrew, which actually means that we came from the same womb. How beautiful is that? Not only are we sheep, not only are we friends, but our king says, we're family. We're family. And so just like those believers of old, when Nahum was sent to the city of Nineveh to declare impending judgment, and he was trying to remind them, listen, don't be worried because God's going after the wicked and it's not going to, hey, listen, he's not going to uh, uh, show him mercy this time. Judgment's going to fall. In the midst of all that, he says, the Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the midst of our trouble. And He also knows them that trust in Him. Listen, we are not only sheep, we are friends, we are family. And listen, because we are family, I want to tell you that we can be more than conquerors when trouble comes our way and we can be more than confident in the day of trouble. Are you confident? Some of us don't seem very confident in 2021. I'll be honest with you. I talk with a lot of people not just folks here at Battlefield, but I talk with a lot of pastors and I talk with a lot of churches and I hear what's going on around this country right now. Do you know <clears throat> the statistics are staggering? We're in the midst of all that's going on. You would think that people would want to draw closer to Christ. You want to know what's happening? It's a struggle right now because people are doing this. They're backing away. They've decided, listen, I'm no longer going to go. I no longer have an appetite for Bible studies. I no longer have an appetite to hear preaching. I no longer have the desire to sing praises unto God. I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to do the Lone Ranger Christianity walk. Can I tell you that you weren't built to be a Lone Ranger Christian? And neither am I. Oh yes, the Lord is good. And so I put down as a way of closing, maybe this morning would be a good time for you and for me to come before His presence, 
to bow before Him in recognition of His goodness. Maybe today would be a good time understanding that He's good, understanding that He is our, he is our, 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 uh, our shelter. He is our, our, our confident that we can go to in the midst of trouble, right? He's our safe haven, if you please. In the midst of that, maybe it would be good for you to come and to come before His presence and just say, God, I want to recommit myself to You. I want to walk with You. I want to talk with You. God, give me strength. Give me wisdom. Give me the power that I need each and every day. God, burden my heart for what burdens Yours. Help me to see people as You see people. Help me to live in a way that brings You honor and glory. God, protect my thoughts. Protect my vision. Protect my words. Protect my ears. Help me to stay clear from things things that do not bring you glory. But most important, maybe today would be a good time. If you've never trusted Christ, today would be an awesome time. The Bible says now is the accepted time. Today, now is the day of salvation. It would be a great day to, to say, God, I need to ask you to forgive me. I recognize my sinfulness and I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to become the Lord and Savior of my life. I want you to direct my paths from this day forward. I'm tired of making a mess of things. I want you to lead God and direct my thoughts, my words, and my actions. Whatever your situation is, can I tell you? Confidently and boldly, based not only on what I say, but on the authority of the Word of God. It doesn't matter what I say. What matters is what God says. It says here, the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And He knoweth them that trust in Him. Do you know Him? Because if you know Him, He knows you. And if you know Him and He knows you, you're communicating back and forth with Him. And if He's communicating with you, the Bible says, that my sheep, they follow me. How are, how's our walk today? How's your walk? I encourage you. The Lord is good. He's so good. He's blessed each and every one in this room. And we owe Him nothing less, nothing short of our surrender, of our worship, our adoration, our praise. Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your goodness. God, this reminder that even in the midst of a, a message of judgment, as You sent Nahum to Nineveh to declare to these Assyrian people who had drawn further away from You and they had, they had backed up on their commitment to You, God, as You sent Him to declare that message, You also sent Him with a message of encouragement to those who knew You and those who You knew. God, I pray that those that are here today that know You, that hear You and communicate with You, that they've been encouraged, that they've been reminded that even in the midst of what really seems like Your hand of judgment taking place not only in this country, but all around the world, in the midst of all of this, that they could be reminded that You are good. Lord, I pray that You'll have Your will in Your way, God, that we'll open up our hearts that we'll give our lives to You in a way that brings You honor and glory. And we'll praise You for what You'll do in Jesus' precious name and for His sake. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.